internet friends and welcome back to love hate relationship an opinionated podcast for opinionated people i'm andy Bowell, and i'm alex ruiz and as always we are here to brighten your day anger your soul and tell you how to live your lives in that order and andy you had something for the douchebag buffer <laughs> for once? well for hey no for for thrice or maybe even the fourth time i don't know quadrice so last episode we talked about my love of uh, collectible trading card games and i uh hinted that i might be at least meddling back into that hobby i i'm very mm-hmm. glad to say i didn't like have a relapse and and go binge and buy a bunch of uh magic cards or anything but I did mm-hmm. install Magic the Gathering Arena, which is the uh, online version of the game I was talking about. And I'm delighted to say that it is completely free. You can, of course, pay for uh, cards and packs if you so choose, but you don't have to. It, it plays very much like Hearthstone in the sense that if you want, the game will just like give you cards and give you a computer opponent to play against and let you go on your merry way. And on my merry way, I've gone. Oh, dear. <laughs> I mean, we'll see. The other thing is, like, I'm uh, I'm on a five-year-old computer. Sure. And it's all, I've already experienced a little bit of, like, the game will just ever so slowly kind of crash once or twice. So that's a pretty good deterrent to get me to stop playing is if, you know, the thing shuts itself down in the middle of a, of a game. (laughs) I wait. Okay. So you downloaded this on a computer. Cause I thought I, when you said downloaded, I think I just assumed that it was like on a phone app. I don't know if it actually plays on a phone. It it might. And I, I haven't checked, but I, uh, gauge, should I do this on a tablet or should I do this on a computer? And then just decided, ah, the computer probably has better processing power. Let's go ahead I mean, and do that. I mean, as you were talking and you said that you downloaded the thing, I literally just looked up to see, like, is there a Yu-Gi-Oh game that's available on Android for free? <laughs> and is there? Um, yes, there is. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> oh, dear. We didn't even oh, talk about dear. this. I I had the Yu-Gi-Oh Game Boy game, just like there was a Pokemon card game for Game Boy. There was a Yu-Gi-Oh one too. There were and two. The, okay, yeah, I I had one of them, and the best thing about it was you could basically make your own cards. <laughs> okay, that was not the version that I had. I okay, so there was the like Game Boy Color version, <laughs> which sucked shit. It was a crappy game. Like it was, it was weird because it didn't really give you any tutorials on how the like controls worked, and it wasn't properly the card game. Like it was some weird new version of the card game. Hmm. And then there was the Game Boy Advance game, which I had, and that one was straight up just the card game, and you played against like computerized versions of the characters from the TV show, and they had similar cards. And sometimes the AI was smart, and sometimes the AI was stupid as hell. Um, but always like that one was legitimately pretty decent. That might, that might be the one I'm talking about. I, the one I remember was like unforgivingly hard. So it could be either of those, but like you would play Joey and Weevil Underwood and all of, all of your friends from the show. 
Mm-hmm. And I definitely burned as much, if not a little more time into that than I did the uh, Pokemon trading card game, Game Boy game. So, you know, that Pokemon trading card game game, I just like, I killed that thing. I played that. <laughs> I think I played that and replayed that. And, and that one was always fascinating because like you could go back and replay against people like this was back when we all had the game boy game for pokemon and you once you battled somebody you couldn't battle them again in the trading card game you could go back and like replay somebody as many times as you want whether they were super difficult or not i was always just like how come this isn't a thing in the regular game i want to go back and like battle people again and then they kind of let you do that a little bit with the second generation where like people would call you <laughs> But it's but like their Rattata went up like a level, right? <laughs> and you just go like, "This isn't fun. I I don't care." Oh, I I would definitely find it pretty amusing to send out a level forty-seven Charizard, or uh, I guess it'd be my level forty-seven for Alligator, and just like bite a Sentra in half <laughs> in one attack. Like no one ever was. Oh, that's so cruel. And yet so funny. I deeply appreciate walking down memory lane with you and mining just a little bit more time out of uh, what what was one of our longest topics in a while, I noticed. Like, we spent yeah. a good, a good like, 35, 40 minutes on card games last time. Look, now we're... I just, I just, I... I get it. It's, it's, you know, I think that the best topics sometimes are the ones where, like, one of us knows a lot and the other knows a little, but just a little, like, has the tiniest bit of experience with it. And so there's this, there's, there's the ability to, like, have a proper back and forth about, oh, we're, this is our returning segment where we talk about making the podcast on the podcast. Um, (laughs) We haven't minute. done this one in a minute. Yeah, no, it's it's good. It's I, I mostly just said that to get Andy to laugh, which is you know kind of how I live my life's here. Um, but no, it's it's when there's enough for one person to competently talk about it to some degree, and the other person to like, I don't know, expel all of their joy or their rage. I feel like those tend to be our best ones. You know, you're probably not wrong. I uh, it's it's always good to have a dialogue. But uh, so speaking of good topics, let's let's find out if we picked good topics this time. Oh, God. Oh, dear. (laughs) Welcome to Love Hate Relationship. And every episode, one of us talks about something that one of us loves. Then the other talks about something that they hate. And together we uh, put our differences aside and answer your relationship questions in our perfectly unqualified manner. That's right. And uh, this time it is my turn for the love. And Andy, I'm going to be up front with you. Um, I'm going to be up front with you and with our audience. Halfway through writing these notes, I realized that this might be less of a love and more of like one of those things where I just hate people who hate this thing. Um, kind of like our Nickelback haters or our CrossFit haters thing. But sure. um, it was too late at that point uh, <laughs> to change anything. So I just decided to run with it. So Andy... Um, as always, I like to start with a question. So to introduce that topic, I'm going to ask a very basic question to you. You, my dear uh, red-blooded white American male of a man, um, you, Andrew, how were you socialized to experience tofu growing up? 
What did you know of it before you've ever had the chance to try it? And and how were you socialized to just think of it? I think... So it, it, it's funny you characterize white-blooded American male because for a... White-blooded American male. All white blood. Just total white blood. You're healing everywhere. <laughs> it's You're basically mayonnaise. Wolverine. It's, it's basically mayonnaise. Uh, <laughs> better than ranch. Uh, to answer your question, tofu was something I saw in TV before I ever like saw the actual food stuff. And by TV, I specifically mean uh, anime because tofu was like something. Uh, oh, just shit. Hurt. Pausing. Joe Biden's apparently the president. <sighs> <laughs> so that, listeners, is is a good way to time, st- uh, you know, put the time signature on where we are. Do you need? <laughs> no, Stephanie. Just <laughs> we might we we might be better off cutting that out because this episode comes out in like mid December. Eh, fair. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, we were talking about, okay, you uh, originally started uh, associating tofu from anime? Yes. It may, maybe random Nickelodeon cartoons, but certainly anime was the first like instance I had of seeing tofu. And it was always just a, a white, a, a blocky white square of what I understood to be food stuff, but was never like presented in an appetizing or appealing way. Hmm. Interesting. Even in anime, it wasn't presented as particularly appeasing. I mean, it's not like it was like, Oh my God, gross tofu, but it was like, Oh yeah, here we're going to, you know, it was probably Brock making some tofu or some shit, um, to be perfectly honest. Um, but just like, there was never anybody being like, Ooh, yummy tofu. And then I'm, I'm totally pulling from the ether here, but I feel like maybe, maybe cow and chicken, something along those lines. Um, definitely like made tofu sound like this gross second class, uh, food stuff for when you couldn't actually get meat. Interesting. Cause I do always remember like cow and chicken specifically. Um, for those of you who don't who don't know or don't remember Cow and Chicken, that was a one of the old Hanna Barbera cartoon cartoons that used to appear on Cartoon Network, where uh, these a brother and sister who were a literal cow and chicken would get into kind of gross out misadventures. It was a little Rocco's Modern Lifey, um, and they had a few episodes that were all about like how great eating meat is. And, like, how delicious pork is. And pork butts and taters was a thing. Yep. yep. And, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, cool. So, the reason why I wanted to go with that question is because before I'd ever actually eaten tofu of any kind, I felt like all the associations I had 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 also, by and large, come from pop culture. Or if they didn't come from pop culture, they came from, like... Let's be honest. Dad's making shitty jokes yeah. about how gross tofu is. And, like, don't get me wrong. I've eaten tofurkey. It's not good. Like, 
like I, I'm 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 presenting tofu as a love for this topic. Um, and I'm and I'm the first one to be like, there are versions of tofu that are gross, and you probably shouldn't make like try to pretend that tofu is gonna taste like turkey, for example. Um Tofu dogs are not great. I've had tofu hot dogs. They are not very good. I don't care what Beast Boy says. Uh, <laughs> but that was very much my so so similar to yours, I think. Although I feel like mine was it, it was very much a butt of the joke kind of food stuff for me. And it doesn't sound like it was as much a butt of a joke for you. Although there was some of that. Well, I mean, it's more just like. It was never presented as, ooh, tofu. Like, I, th- I think you're right, because cause talking about Beast Boy knocked something loose in my head. Like, any cartoon vegetarian or, like, hippie-ish character would inevitably have a moment where they would, like, pull open their lunchbox or or whatever and and pull open a steaming bowl of tofu and they'd be so excited to see it but all the other characters would have a mixture of like revile just oh my god you're gonna eat that and and you know it becomes associated with like asparagus or broccoli 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 was that like when I was when I was coming up, like broccoli was the like this is the disgusting food that nobody likes <laughs> thing, which is funny because like I that was the attitude I had. I didn't try broccoli for years because I was a very picky eater, and then when I finally ate it. I was like, it doesn't taste particularly good or bad. It's actually kind of bland. Can I put some like salt on it? Maybe yeah, put some salt, put some cheese, throw it with some Mongolian beef. Baby, you got a stew going. Well, thank you, Andy. Thank you for kind of confirming my thoughts, although giving me a little bit of nuance on it. I don't even think about the idea of it being an anime, but like, yeah, you're right. Um, So, as I said, uh, my topic, my love for this particular episode is tofu. And I'm kind of worried. I'm legitimately worried that this is going to be less of a, this is all the things I love about tofu and more of a, this is all the problems I have with people who just hate on tofu topic. But you know what? We're going to roll with it and see what happens. So I, I appreciate your indulgence. Uh, I'm going to start with some, some, you know, basics up front and then we can kind of get a little bit more into it. Mm -hmm. So, um, to start off with tofu also known as bean curd, is a foodstuff made by coagulating soy milk and then pressing the resulting curds into solid white blocks of varying textures. Uh, If that sounds gross to you, you can think of it as a sort of cheese that's made from soy milk. That's pretty much the same process they use to make cheese. They just use, like, dairy milk instead of soy milk. And and real quick, that is such a illustrating way of talking about it i feel like because like if tofu had been presented to me as a cheese analog i might have been much more forgiving of it the first time i actually tried it and my like general opinion of it why that's a fascinating perspective. Please because, tell me why. Because it is so much not meat. And it is always presented as the meat analog. It is presented as the protein supplement. 
but like at least the tofu I'm talking about, the white block in a cartoon, or, you know, even the first couple times I had it, it was definitely like it was diced tofu in like a salad or or something. Um, it was, you know, it's a, a wet white block of substance and your brain goes, okay, this is what vegetarians eat instead of meat. This is not meat. This is nothing like meat. If if from like the first time I had heard about it, it was a like, this is special protein cheese, which is a gross way of characterizing it, but bear with me. <laughs> protein cheese okay this is a like this is like cheese but it it has protein think of it like a cheese i don't know maybe maybe i would have been like well it's it's like a a bad feta but i can i can understand hmm interesting okay um i mean first of all Cheese absolutely has a shit ton of protein. Indeed. Um, yes, this, but, but, hmm. Like, we'll get into the idea of how in the West it's kind of used as a meat substitute. That's, that's something I do want to discuss at some length, but it's interesting that we keep coming back to that. Keep that thought in your head. I want to wrap up this very quick bit of basics, and then I, I have a point that I want to kind of discuss with you. So Sounds keep that good. in your brain. Okay. Um, so tofu as a food actually originated in China um, a little so somewhere a little over 2,000 years ago and um, it just kind of spread throughout most of eastern and southeastern Asia so it's a staple food in Chinese Japanese Indonesian Korean and Thai cooking so in those countries it's 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 as standard as say um, as well, frankly, as cheeses to Northern European countries, as you know, rice is uh, to Asian and Latin American countries. Like it's just, it's just a standard thing that you do cook with, and that mm-hmm. you that is a centerpiece to so much of the cuisine because it's what's around. Um, here in the West, it has gained over the years a fair amount of popularity, specifically as we discussed, a meat substitute right. um, for its high protein, low calorie content, its relatively sustainable cultivation needs, uh, and its ease of preparation. So, I feel like you mentioned when you answered the question at the beginning that you feel like there, or that you encountered some stereotype of like the hippie character who eats tofu. Yeah, it was, it was like beast boy is the best one I can think of. Um, I'm, I'm trying to pull from my, you know, my, my mid aughts cartoon knowledge. And so, so like beast boy is a vegetarian because he turns into animals and his attitude is like, I've been most of these animals. I don't want to eat them. Right. Turns, he's turned into a cow. He's turned into a pig. He's turned into a chicken. I feel like um, wasn't Eliza Thornberry a vegetarian for much the same reason? Uh, not to my knowledge, I don't think so. There um, might have been an episode where they played with that, but outside of cartoon, I mean, Lisa Simpson's a vegetarian. Very. That's famously. true. Yep. Um, and I, you, you know, I 
Lisa Simpson's one of my heroes, so I, I totally get that. And the whole point with Lisa, like the episode where Lisa Simpson becomes a vegetarian, hap- it happens because she, they go to visit like a petting zoo and she like loves this little lamb that she finds and she just right. thinks it's the cutest thing ever. And then they're eating lamb chops that evening and she's just like realize she puts she kind of makes that connection that the lamb that she ate that she's eating right then is no different than the lamb she was like cuddling on and calling so cute earlier and then in her head her, as her mom is like i can make you other stuff i can make you some hot dogs or some pork chops or some this that or the other and she just starts imagining all the different animals and then just realizes no wait i don't think i can ever eat any animal ever again right Lisa, don't eat me. I thought you loved me. Loved me. Yeah. And, and you know, over the course of that episode, Lisa learns, like, Lisa becomes a vegetarian. And one of the great things, that's one of the best episodes of The Simpsons. Because at the end of it, the point is not Lisa learning to become a vegetarian. It's not even Lisa like becoming a vegetarian and then realizing that maybe she needs to like not not be a vegetarian like the whole point of it is lisa becoming a vegetarian and then learning to accept that other people are not going to have her same morality about it and her same feelings about it and she needs to tolerate and respect them even if she doesn't agree with them and she stays a vegetarian like she's still a vegetarian like it has been 27 years since that episode i think like y'all paul and linda mccartney were in that episode linda mccartney died i don't even know how many years ago they were in that episode (laughs) well so isn't that the same one where uh she discovers apu and his wife are vegan well and that's that's how she gets before apu that's before apu is even yeah that's before apu is even uh married and it's funny because she finds out he's vegan because she's like, why don't any of those idiots down there realize that they can get all the nutrition they need from beans and vegetables and fruits and cheese? And Apu's just like, cheese? Ugh. And she, <laughs> he's just like, you don't eat cheese? And he goes, no, never eat anything that comes from an animal. And and my favorite part there is she goes, you must think I'm a monster. And he looks her dead in the eyes and goes, yes, I do. But I learned a long time ago to tolerate others. And it's just like, it. yeah, no. And that's, and that's, you know, as a vegetarian, that, that means a lot to me, that, that distinction. Sure. Um, so there's a cartoon vegetarian. And I think Lisa's there. And I feel like there have been future episodes or they've been episodes after that where, you know, they, where Lisa eats tofu and people mock her for it. Or give her shit about it. Hell, they give her shit about being a vegetarian in that episode. Because that's the one where they're like, are you going to marry a carrot, Lisa? Yes, I'm going to marry a carrot. We're spending a lot of time talking about one episode of The Simpsons. Um, (laughs) um, I'm trying to think of other just like vegetarian, like Phoebe and Friends is a vegetarian. Although they regularly make jokes about how she's a shitty vegetarian. Yeah. Uh, Did you ever watch The Weekenders? It was a Disney cartoon. I don't think so. I, I remember now one of the weekenders was a vegetarian and, and the jokes they would make would be like everyone else would be eating a hot dog and she would be eating a steamed carrot in a bun. 
So like that that level of like, oh, look at you eating the weird thing. And I'm I'm totally sure that tofu was also a part of that. Yeah. I mean, I've had steamed carrots that or I've seen steamed carrots that were offered as like replacement hot dogs and I've always just kind of been like you know, I can just get like a veggie burger or like some some like chips. Like I, yeah. I I'm okay, you guys. I don't need that's that's part of the issue that I do have with the western view of tofu sure let's get Um, into that well well yeah because i feel like uh, the whole reason i mentioned this is because um i I feel like this this didn't start with hippies um i think it entered into pop culture with hippies discovering tofu because they you know much like hipsters now are like oh i want to eat authentic ethnic food so they would go to the asian restaurants and eat tofu and be like oh my god this is amazing and oh my god it's not meat and you know i can be more just like just like they got into transcendental meditation and yoga they were just like tofu tofu is the thing and but the problem is in those asian cultures tofu is not viewed as a meat substitute like Mm -hmm. they eat meat in china for example in China, a lot of the attitude tends to be eating you eat things like tofu as just a standard thing. Meat is kind of more of especially in some of the frankly more poverty-stricken areas, meat is a luxury food. Meat is something for special occasions. Meat is something that you have at weddings. Meat is something you have when you have something to celebrate or maybe it's like a weekend type of food. It is not an everyday thing because, frankly, meat is expensive. People in the U.S. don't understand how cheap meat is. We talked about this um, on a previous episode. Um, I don't even remember what the topic was. It was one of your hates, actually, if I remember correctly. Oh, we were talking about Brazil. We were talking about the Brazil forest fires and the meat industry there. Yeah, and, and Americans don't understand how cheap meat is here. Because in the rest of the world, where, frankly, they don't factory farm at all um, to keep costs down and all the terrible shit that comes with factory farming, um, by and large, it tends to be more expensive. So poor people don't eat it every day. It's very unusual in most of the world to eat meat every single day. Tofu is just a normal, ordinary, just like, frankly, not to get stereotypical, but the way that a lot of Latin American cultures, it's rice and beans, which is a complete protein. Mm-hmm. Your rice plus your beans is a complete protein. It's not terribly common in certain agrarian sectors of Central and South America to just have plenty of meat lying around, unless you're living in the cities, unless you're living in a somewhat more... just, just Unless you're living in a region where they happen to cultivate a lot of meat or they have factory farms you're not seeing a lot of that so here they just kind of decided oh tofu it's a meat substitute just throw it in in place of all of your meats and that's not really how you're supposed to eat it and this is what uh like seven-year-old andy needed to learn (laughs) yeah well and okay so something i something i kind of threw into the notes here are just some basic misconceptions um and I can run down these, and, and some of them might take longer than others. But, you know, the first one is 
Frankly, tofu does not taste bad. It also does not taste good. You basically, like, if tofu tastes particularly bad to you or bland to you, you're not good at seasoning. See chicken. Mm-hmm. I, I, I regularly tell people, like, tofu is like chicken. It just eats whatever seasonings you give it. So if all you do is throw it into a pan, flip it over, and serve it, it's going to taste like shit. That is probably the most illuminating point in your notes, for me at least. Um, because I remember the first couple times I had tofu and just not liking it. It wasn't made right. I don't know. I don't remember under what context I had it, but I understand now clearly, like, I did not have good tofu the first couple of times, and here I am. Like, okay, I eat tofu as, as a vegetarian, um, you know, I, tofu is a regular thing in my house. It's not an everyday thing, but it's like... We probably eat tofu two, maybe three times a week in one capacity or another. And, you know, the way that Stephanie and I will prepare it, like, sometimes we'll marinate it. Sometimes we'll throw it in a stir fry with a bunch of sauces. Sometimes, you know what? We have a recipe where, and let me tell you straight up, this is not healthy. I do not recommend <laughs> this. But something we will sometimes do is we will um, press all of the liquid out of the tofu so that it overnight, so it's like good and good and dry. Mm -hmm. And then we will bread it in like like we will take like completely un unsweetened like rice krispies or um, cornflakes, grind them up fine, and then make like um, like a breading mixture from like flour and water uh, and salt. Bread it and then deep fry it. We call you, them tofu nugs. I was about to and say, they're like, fucking amazing. Tofu chicken tenders right there. Yeah, they're basically chicken nuggets made with tofu and like with a little bit of mustard. Like, I, they, no, they do not taste like chicken nuggets. They taste like <laughs> tofu nuggets, but they're fucking delicious because they taste like deep fried food. Sure. Most things taste really good when you deep fry them, you guys. Like I don't know if I don't know if most people are aware of this. You can deep fry almost anything, and it will be delicious. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, yeah. I mean, I I think a lot of people forget where oils are on the uh, food pyramid, which I understand. The food pyramid isn't like perfect by any way, shape, or form, but like, yeah, fry up just about any damn near thing in oil, and it'll taste nice and crispy and good. Yeah, absolutely. But like, we'll also throw it into like some kind of more asian style dishes and it's delicious like it, you can make a tofu scramble where it's literally just like it's like making kind of like scrambled eggs you just kind of pan fry it with a whole bunch of like salt and pepper and red pepper flakes and maybe a little hot sauce and just scramble that on up with maybe some like onions and it's just fucking good because it tastes like salt and pepper and red pepper flakes and onions like, that's, that's the thing about it. Like, whenever someone tells me that tofu is bland, I always just kind of have to tell them, it, it's, it's not, though. You just haven't, like, seasoned it right. Mm hmm Which is real, real fun to say to white people. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. It's so much fun. So, 
I always like to state that up front. And, and you know what? This is not me being like, everyone here should replace, you know, all of your meals with tofu dishes. I, I, that's, I feel like after, you know, 57 episodes, I've, I've emphasized that I'm not that vegetarian. But, like, don't shit on it, especially if you haven't had it. Like, it's, 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 it's also a little racist. I'm not going to lie. It, like, it's a little racist and it's occurring to me. It's a little toxically masculine as uh, several things that we have come to hate are because sure. it's, it's the idea of like, Oh, you're too much of a little sissy to be able to eat meat. Like what's the matter? Don't you like the blood in your teeth? Well, like soy boy is an insult that I'm sure you've encountered on the internet before. Indeed. Yeah. So what's the point of saying soy boy? It's literally a dumbass little... It, it's it's a bitch fist of an insult. <laughs> That's a new one. <laughs> yeah, no. It's a bitch fist of an insult where you're just like, oh, you don't go to Walmart and buy cutlets and then grill them up and eat them. And instead you like care about more sustainable protein sources so you're not manly eh i have no yeah. respect for that insult i just don't I, I i got called that once on twitter and i was literally just like you know that like the united states agricultural system has been brought down because like food manufacturers keep putting soy in everything right like you eat more soy than I do. Random person on the internet calling me a soy boy. I promise you. I promise you because I guarantee you, you eat more Cheetos than I do. And Cheetos have so much soy in them, you guys. <laughs> so much fun. Okay, I digress. It's racist and it's toxically masculine. It's this idea that, you know, because you don't eat this one thing that you're somehow lesser when literally, like half the world's population and I'm not shitting you with those numbers half the world's population consumes this food on a semi-daily basis sure and if you're sitting here saying that you're so raw raw America that half the world's population is lesser than you because they eat a food stuff honey your balls ain't that big they're not I promise you before I wrap up, I did want to touch on something that I do encounter about tofu. And this and this mostly comes from the fact that I hang out in the fitness blogosphere. Okay. Um, there are some dumb misconceptions about eating tofu. Um, for instance, there is a recurring myth about tofu that it will mess with your hormonal levels. Uh, don't tell that to the guy we're hypothetically talking about worrying about his masculinity with what he eats. Yo, I have straight up seen this. Like, people go and, like, if you eat too much tofu, it's like taking estrogen pills. And I literally, again, have to be like, you know the entire nation of China doesn't have an issue with this, right? Like, <laughs> just saying. Like, okay, so soy, pro soy products in general, not just tofu, but soy products contain uh, something called isoflavone. Isoflavones. Ugh, I can pronounce that at some point. Um, which are plant estrogens, uh, which in 
very high doses can cause an increased chance of breast cancer in those who are already at risk. Like a study has shown that is that is correlative. That said, it is physically impossible to get so many isoflavones from food that that happens. Like you would need to be consuming supplements in pill form and a little bit abusing them, um, which some people do substitute or some people do supplement um, isoflavones for um, estrogen deficiencies. Like that is a normal thing. But if you have to literally be consuming them in pill form to get enough for that to be an issue. And other reports of it affecting men's testosterone are by and large BS. Um, they kind of come from studies done on mice that are macrodosed with isoflavones. Uh, no effect has ever been seen in human studies. And by the way, the studies done by the mice were funded by the dairy industry. Who doesn't like that soy milk is kind of cutting into their market share? Oh, no. And I'll link to some studies that talk about this. But it's it's really just kind of dumb internet misinformation. It's also dumb internet misinformation that tofu is some kind of miracle food. That if you switch out tofu into your regular meals, you'll lose weight. Or it'll help with your heart conditions. Or this, mm. that, or the other. It's not a miracle food. Like, if you're, yes, if you sub out tofu for a couple of meals in your week when you were eating, like, dake cooked in butter every day of the week, like, sure, you know, that, that effect, that, that's, that's, that's going to have a positive effect. I don't think that's because of the tofu. I think sure. that's because you're just eating less crap. Like, it's, it's, it's a weird thing that does kind of occur in the fitness talk atmosphere where people think that one food or another or like one it's same thing when i talked about diets you know like it's not that this diet or this food stuff is making you healthier it's the fact that you're paying attention to your food and maybe eating more plants and less of something else is better for you like it really does come down to stuff like that and and i don't love tofu because it does miraculous things for my health it doesn't it is an easy thing for me to cook with i weightlift on this shit you know like i get my protein primarily from legumes tofus rice i do supplement a little bit with whey protein and the occasional protein bar but like i legitimately weightlift with this kind of a diet and the idea that it is lesser for some reason really bugs me because, you know, again, half the world's population eats this stuff on a semi-daily basis. I eat it a couple of times a week. I promise I'm healthier than the average American. <laughs> I can vouch as the average oh. American. Oh, oh sweetie. Oh, <laughs> and you know what? On a personal note, like, this shit helped me get through grad school, you know? Like, when I needed cheap-ass food, and I and I just needed, like, calories, I, I turned to stuff like this. It was basically this and peanut butter, and, like, dry rice and beans. That's what I lived off of. And, like, once a week, I would treat myself to Chipotle. 
<laughs> I lived a very sad life as a graduate student, you guys. But like, it wasn't sad because I wasn't eating meat or because I was eating tofu. <laughs> it was sad because I was poor. Anyway. So yeah, I, I wanted to take a little bit of time. And, and again, maybe this is more of a, I just hate people who hate on this thing, but I love this food. I do. It's not a favorite food of mine. I already talked about burritos. I put tofu in burritos. It's been delicious. Um, but it's, it's a thing that I think a lot of people don't properly have conceptions over. I don't think they're eating it well. I think they have this weird, stupid, racist misogynistic idea of it as a food and all i want to tell people is you know it's it's just a little bit less harmful to the environment it's perfectly healthy it tastes about as good or as bad as chicken does give it a shot or if you don't want to give it a shot that's fine but don't make fun of it without trying it or giving it a proper chance and you no longer have an excuse because you just sat through me talking about it for a good 40 minutes yeah, sure. I can't tell you the last time I ate tofu, but I definitely think it's time to give it another shot just to, you know, just to try it again. I think the last time, tell me just real, real, real quick, is tempeh the same thing essentially? Because I ate tempeh in college. That's the last time I know I ate a soy replacement product. So tempeh is... Tempeh is also a soy product. Um, it is it is made differently. The fermentation process is different. So they're made of the same thing, but they are different foods. Gotcha. If that makes sense. All right. Makes perfect sense. Well, yeah, good on you, man. And, you know, you kept qualifying. Maybe this is more of a an anti-hate. I, I think that's still a love. Love is still the opposite of hate. So... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. I'm it's also it's also very on brand for you to do an anti hate. <laughs> I mean, that's that's fair. That's even my loves make me angry. So <laughs> for Shall our actual, on? yeah, for our actual hate, I'm going to uh, take the reins now and continue us down this merry uh, ride and talk about why I hate daylight savings time. I'm going to preface, I've been thinking about this for a while. I've been actually trying to look this up and and figure it out. And for some reason, it still boggles my mind. I'm not sure if daylight savings time is when we uh, have the sunset later in the day or earlier in the day. And... I understand that like the positioning of the sun also has something to do with that. That is outside of human control. But to make my stance clear, I personally enjoy it when it is dark when I wake up and lighter when uh, I get out of work. I like it when the sun doesn't set until like 730 or 8 o'clock even in the summer. That's awesome. I wish we did that all the time. Um, but I don't know if that is actually the daylight savings or not. So so I guess really to clarify, I, I actually hate the daylight savings time inconsistency. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit, Alex, about why there's no good reason to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so again, like, just to give a, a baseline, 
Daylight Savings Time was invented in 1904 by a New Zealand entomologist who convinced his quaint sheep farming nation to <laughs> set their clocks back an hour. And, and so this would give him an extra hour of sunlight during the workday, and it will allow him to hunt for bugs longer. And that's the motivation. That is why daylight savings time was invented. So this dude could hunt for bugs more. My name is Shelby Counterman. I am nine years old and I collect cockroaches. And that is so preposterous. I kind of love it. Um, but like, for some reason, once this started happening in New Zealand, the concept exactly as it is set the clocks back an hour in the summer and set them forward an hour in the winter or whichever it is, um, started propping up all along the world. Like there were a bunch of provinces in Canada in the, uh, the 19-teens that started doing this so that they would have night come later in the day and therefore save on coal and fuel costs. Um, over the years, most European nations, as well as the United States and Canada, have used daylight savings time for basically the same reasons. But here's something I didn't actually know, and it's it's part of core to my argument. Okay. It's only ever been those nations. Like, hmm. the majority of countries in the world don't use daylight savings time and never have. None of the African countries... None of the Asian countries, Australia, Russia, like Russia goes back and forth weirdly. Only a, a random handful of Central and Latin American countries. But it's this like, it's this arbitrary thing that only certain countries have ever chosen to do. Even then, only in basically the past hundred years. So it, it becomes this like, it's like the metric system. It's like how the only people that use the U.S. metric system are like the United States and I want to say like Ghana and like two other countries in the world and everyone else does it properly. <laughs> I mean, OK, so the only context I have internationally um, is Colombia, where my parents are from. And I know Colombia used to do daylight savings time. Like, it was a thing for them. And then mm. I was like, in the 90s, they stopped? I don't know when exactly it was, but sometime in the 90s, they, like, just went, oh, no, this is stupid, and we're going to stop doing it. Good for Columbia in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I understand well, and, okay, you can't so, say that about a lot of things. Uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, have you been watching Narcos? Yes, I have. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. I was joking. Anyway. Um, no. Okay. So can I can I say something interesting here? Yeah, please. I don't. I think this was actually in school that I learned this. But the story of Daylight Savings Time that I was taught was that it was an invention of Benjamin Franklin's. And, and that's actually come up. Um, he, like, formulated the idea, but I don't think it was ever put into practice during his lifetime. Oh, okay. So the way that I was taught, and, you know, Florida public schools, um, 
was Ben Franklin came up with this to save on candle wax. Mm-hmm. Everyone needed to burn candles and lamplight and whale oil. And and he was just like, oh, let's do a thing where, by the way, daylight savings time starts in March, ends in November. Um, so that whole, like, summer into fall period is when it is, quote, daylight savings time. Right. Yeah. Um, I learned that from playing the um, silver version of Pokemon because they would ask you when you set the time if it was daylight savings time or not. Right. And so I had to, like, go ask my dad, is it daylight savings right now? I don't know, but my game is telling me, is asking me if it is or isn't. And he's just like, it's September. Of course it's daylight savings time. Like. I remember because I got the game for my birthday, but like, but yeah, that's that's how I know. Like the middle part, the the during the year part is when it is currently daylight savings. Um, but yeah, I was always taught that like Ben Franklin came up with this idea. They started implementing it in like the early years of the United States, and it's just been a thing we've had forever. And it was so that like they could save on candle wax, and it'd be better for farmers and shit. Right, and that's always been like one of the core arguments for its use is to save on on fuel because I remember and and this isn't based out of anything. I just I think I heard this incorrectly somewhere and it stuck with me. I heard that it was like a a Woodrow Wilson initiative during the war to like save on fuel costs or or it was FDR to like make sure everybody like, you know, saved a little coal so that it could instead, you know, go to fighting the Germans or something. Um, and, and I sat here thinking that like, we've only been doing daylight savings since world war two, which is completely meritless. But like, I think the, the confusion and, and all of the different, like, uh, stories adds to my whole just disgruntlement with this thing. It's, it's useless for the most part, or at the very least, all of the uses daylight savings time had, um, we've technologically advanced beyond the need for, you understand what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, a lot of people bring up that like it's good for farming and I don't know why, because in the research I've done, all I've seen is that farmers by and large are absolutely against daylight savings time. Like either the, um, just the act of itself cuts into their profit margins a little bit, or it's the fact that you have to make the change at all. Um, especially around like, um, harvest season, like actually well, negatively impacts them. Well, yeah, and if you're if you're a okay, let's let's throw factory farms out of the window for a minute, um, like we all want to. Um, <laughs> but if you're if you're like if you're a private individual who owns a farm, if you are if you're the one dude in letter letter Kenny, um, you're going to set your work hours based on your sunlight anyway and you're not gonna sit here and be like okay three other family members i work with and you know dozen or two other people who i hire out i need i i know it's inconvenient because for these six months i've had you coming in at six but 
tomorrow because of daylight savings, I'm going to need you to come in at five. Like, no, it's okay. The sun's going to rise at like five 30. So be here by five, like, so that we can get started and take advantage of all the daylight. You're, you're going to set your hours based on what you need. That's why the farmer's almanac was invented so that people could have an idea of what time the sun will and won't set or when the dry season is and when the wet season is or when is the best time to do this, that, or the other. Like, that's why we have a farmer's almanac before we ever had technology to monitor this shit. So daylight savings just throws that even further out of whack. Sure. And, you know, I mean, I... I understand that, like, we don't live in my Star Trek universe where we have um, free, clean burning fuel at our fingertips. But, like, you know, electricity has overtaken lamp oil and coal as the primary lighting and heating source around much of the world. And, again, I understand that, like... It's not free if you have your if you have to have the lights on longer during certain parts of the year, like that's going to eat into your profits a little bit. But it, it's not like we're going to run out of the resource of electricity, barring any sort of, you know, a, a, apocalyptic situation. So I don't buy the, the fuel thing anymore. And uh farm factories aside uh it it really doesn't make any difference to farmers what time we're setting it in so the only reason i can find that like the united states and canada and germany and a lot of the european nations do it is still just a corporate thing you know, it, it leads back to business owners being able to save on those electricity bills and pass the cost on to their employees, depending on when um, when the sun would actually set. Uh, there's also something where, like, during daylight savings time, technically you, like, gain an hour of stock market time. So you have an extra hour of your profit margins in that way. And, and so, again, it all comes back to our old nemesis of old right old white rich men just doing the thing that like works out for them. And I'm not even saying daylight savings is bad necessarily. I had a conversation with Mariah, my wife um, about this topic and she was like, Oh, interesting. Talk to me about why you hate this. And I was like, I hate when I leave my job and the sun is setting like, like that triggers my seasonal depression, just makes me like feel a little a little lower energy, a little downer. And she was like, interesting. I'm the exact opposite. I hate when it's eight o'clock and the sun is still out. That triggers my seasonal depression. I was like, huh. Well, shit. <laughs> now, can I complicate this for you a little bit? Oh, go ahead. Okay, so I remember this being a thing that I've read a couple of times. Um, and there are several articles. I'm not even going to link to any because you can Google it if you want. Literally just Google Daylight Savings Deaths. Andy, did you know that um, instances of car accidents, of um, heart attacks and strokes... And various stress and sleep-related uh, injuries and deaths go up 
when daylight savings time uh, on the day that the clocks change each year? So like there's a spike on that day or yes, there is a spike on the days that the clocks change in both directions. There is a small but noticeable consistent spike in accidents, car accidents in physical accidents, in work-related accidents, in heart attacks, in strokes, in anything stress and sleep-related. The running theory on it is that it happens because people's sleep schedules are thrown off, and therefore they are more likely to have um, troubled or problematic sleep, which leads to spikes in stress, and the greater likelihood of accidents related to being in a state of tiredness. Sure. Yeah, no, I, or grogginess. I, I, I didn't know that. Part about strokes and heart attacks, that is odd to me, but, but it, it, it makes sense. It, it makes complete sense that that is the case because, like, we're arbitrarily just having to change our routine in a maybe minor, but maybe not so minor kind of way twice a year for no real reason. Like, like really, here's my thing. Either abolish daylight savings time or make it the permanent new normal. One way or another, just pick the thing. Pick a thing I, and stick to it. Yeah. And the, the thing I'm not, I'm not trying to sit here and say that, like, Daylight savings time schedule changes has taken perfectly healthy people and killed them. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that for people who are already dealing with stress or sleep-related issues, daylight savings time every single year is the straw that breaks a few people's back. And when I say that there is a small but noticeable spike. I mean that there are... I, I don't remember the exact number, but it's something like... On a typical Monday, there are 83.5 deaths in terms of car crashes every Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, there are 78.2 deaths on an average ordinary Monday. On daylight savings time Mondays... It's 83.5. There are 5.3 more deaths on average consistently via car crash every daylight savings. There's there's a noticeable, reliable spike that has happened every single year. Is that a huge difference? Well, you know, I mean, what's, what's the Doctor Who meme? It's like, is four a lot? Four? Uh, I mean, it depends on the context. Yeah, right. Um, dollars, no. Murders, yes. yes. <laughs> um, so our four deaths uh, on a month, our four deaths a year, a lot. Uh, you know, it's a thing we could not do, and there wouldn't be that many. There, there would be four more people alive every year. Yeah, and and so you know the the chief complaint, the the chief reason people like it and and talk about liking it that aren't just big business owners is people who are the opposite of me talk about hating having to start their day in the dark and 
I understand that. I understand not everybody would prefer that the sun just stayed at like a permanent level of twilight. Like I honestly would. Um, but the other, the, like the factor to remember for, for the setting of the sun is positioning of the planet in orbit also has a factor on that. Like even if we all just stuck to one clock system, the sun would change what time it's set each day because of just how far it was. So we're, we're going to have one version of this no matter what, but you know, maybe we would be able to avoid the, those four deaths just by taking away all the other ambient psychic stress. Um, this thing is useless. Like it, I, I feel like that. And, and this isn't the worst thing I've ever talked about, but I'm just sitting here being like, I'm poking daylight savings time with a stick, waiting to see what a little do. And it's just kind of laying there, not really giving anything. Um, several countries, as I mentioned, have never adopted this policy. Russia has weirdly gone back and forth. Um, in 2010, they were like, we're going to have daylight savings time permanently throughout the year. And then four years later, went back to um, uh, the mixed system for reasons. And then, as of this year, have gone the other way and is like, we're never going. We're never in daylight savings time. It's not a thing. Yeah. So you know what? I it's funny because I hear that, and and I don't like to stereotype, but it very much sounds like the Russian tough guy who's just like, stupid Americans have daylight <laughs> savings. Sure. We will have daylight savings whole year. <laughs> I mean, maybe it, it makes about as much sense as any other reason they could like decide to do the thing. And and that is the core um, argument I've really got is like, there's, there should be no reason that like, half of the world, more than half the world really just goes, no, this is dumb. We see no point in doing this. And then it's, it's a policy. So really, I guess I'm, I'm advocating the death of the metric system as well. Uh, Well, you know what? Here's the thing. The metric system has uses. The Imperial system does not. Um, It's purely via American intransigence. Sure. Um, And, and, how long ago was our discussion of how much I hate traditions, Andy? It's been a minute. <laughs> now, it's the way it's always been, so why change it now? Which is a very stupid attitude. For everyone. Always. Never adopt it. It's bad. It's a bad way of thinking. <laughs> um, and this is a thing that, you know, does it do a lot of harm? Again, that depends on how much you value four lives a year. Um, you know, one person on average is killed by a refrigerator every single year. Um, I think it was one person a year. I don't know. But, like, weirdly I find myself thinking to... Um, there's a thing that I remember seeing in a Sam Harris interview. Um, all disclaimers, Sam Harris is a monster hate him terrible person interesting point that he once made he said um he was saying in, oh my god i feel like this was a joe rogan podcast too Ugh, i hate myself oh yeah um, this is getting dark yeah but there was one where he said um it, this is an interesting point he said um 
he was talking about the idea of like societal responsibility and risk. And he said, I can, you know, car crashes kill, you know, more Americans than this, this, and this every single year. I can, I can make the number of car crashes in the country. We can make the number of car crashes in the country almost zero tomorrow if we want. We just have to make an international speed limit or a, a national speed limit of 15 miles an hour. Mm. Everywhere, everywhere in the country, no more than 15 miles an hour. On the interstate, on the highway, in cities, in suburbs, nowhere can you go more than 15 miles an hour. And you will have almost, like, you will be able to turn your number of car crash victims into, like, single digits every year. Are we willing to do that? We accept a certain amount of death for the, for what? What does going above 15 miles an hour do for us? Honestly. Convenience? Pleasure? The fact that, you know, truck drivers are able to do their routes more efficiently. It'd certainly be burdensome to a lot of moneyed interests and a lot of convenience-based interests if we had to drive 15 miles an hour. People would need to get up much, much earlier to go to work. Yeah. Truck drivers would need would have much longer treks to get where they need to go. So we are, which would probably increase prices on products... So we are saying that the cheapness of our products and the and the ease of our commutes and the convenience factor and the pleasure factor of driving above 15 miles an hour is worth all of those car crash deaths that we have every year. Sure. We as a society have elected to do that. We just we just decided the risk, the death toll, because it's not even a risk. We know the death toll is the death toll. Death toll has remained where it has roughly been since, I think, the 80s when seatbelts and airbags became standard. Um, so we just decided, OK, that's that's where the death toll is. And everything that we have because of speed limits above 15 miles an hour is worthwhile that's that's where we are. So right here, we have four deaths a year because of sa- daylight savings. We have the inconvenience. We have the depression factor for people who deal with that. And we have decided, for whatever reason, whatever benefits come with daylight savings, even if the benefit is just this is the way we've always done it and it's inconvenient to try and change the way we do things, we have decided that is worth those lives, those emotions, those struggles... I didn't mean to turn your like <laughs> your top your daylight savings potentially kind of like I don't know man this kind of sucks topic into a giant societal downer but here we but, are but that's what we do on this show so <laughs> I'm not surprised oh god I just you know what else there's we no do purpose on this for this shit there is no purpose and that is where we should end it there's no reason for daylight savings time get the fuck rid of it. I'm I'm with you on that. I fucking hate daylight savings, Andrew. I try and take the day off, uh, the Monday of daylight savings, whenever possible. Mm. Just just cause, just cause I don't want to deal with it. Sure, sure. So, and I highly recommend all of you do the same. Yeah, if you can get away with it, go for it. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you, dear boy. I take no offense at you compounding a thing that I'm like, eh, this kind of sucks and showing how like the world is crumbling as we know it. Um, <laughs> but I know what'll uh, get, get a new taste in everyone's mouths is if we do a relationship question as we're wont to do here. Speaking of tastes in mouths. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, intentional. Hmm. Ready when you are. Sure. So uh, you you found this one off of uh, relationships.txt, but I'll go ahead and read it if you would like. Uh, you know what? I'll, I feel like I haven't read one in a minute, so I'll go ahead and do that. Sounds good. All right. From relationships.txt. Quote, this is a weird one. I, female, age 21, was hanging out at a friend's place, male, age 34, uh, when he started rubbing my feet and giving me a foot massage. We were both kind of tipsy, and I should have stopped even that happening, knowing that it was stepping over a boundary. As it goes on, he began to lick and kiss my toes and feet, and it felt very sensual to me. I'd never had someone do this, so in my tipsy brain, I was curious and intrigued enough to let it continue, wanting to know how it felt. This isn't something I really see my boyfriend of a year trying with me, and I never felt the need to ask, but I guess it was always a curiosity of mine. Anyway, now I'm home and have this feeling that I cheated on my boyfriend, feeling like this was a sensual and intimate act that I just engaged in with someone else, and I feel like I need advice. Help? Was this cheating? Do I need to tell my boyfriend about it? So, uh, as always, we need to give this person an anonymous nickname. We do. And all I can think about is uh, Quentin Tarantino's foot fetish. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Not saying we have to go that route, but it's, it's where my mind went. Joss Whedon also has a foot fetish. Does he really? Interesting. Yes, he does. Oh my. Oh God, please. No. Watch, watch Firefly and look how many like shots on Summer's feet there are. Just like, yeah, Joss Whedon absolutely has a foot fetish. Okay. So, so going down that rabbit hole, uh, is this person Inara? So does that make the boyfriend Mal and random 34 year old dude? Uh oh god what was that one dude Jane that one episode <laughs> Oh the count the, the count dude I watched that one not too Atherton Atherton Yeah Atherton that works Okay so that 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 works really well for this so we've got Inara we've got Mal Reynolds and we've got Atherton <laughs> And you're so welcome Chris and Katie <laughs> Oh Jesus Inara control was the first lesson and the last and these worlds are not like the central planets sounds like you know the answer to this honestly um (sighs) around the part where they're saying we were both tipsy and i should have stopped knowing that it was stepping over a boundary like (sighs) you engaged in a thing not to not to be you know shameful in any way but you you got a little 
out of your head and and allowed an action to take place that you yourself then had to go oh i don't know if this is okay i don't know if mal will be comfortable learning about this is it cheating maybe i mean it kind of it kind of depends and i think either way you have to tell your boyfriend about it um you have to you have to own up to this situation and you know give all the context and really there i mean there are steps that can be taken but a lot of them depend on your boyfriend's reaction you know you you were at a friend and honestly your friend uh seems like he really initialized um the the situation so that's not great mm. um uh, yeah you, you i need me to tag in because i got stuff well i mean yeah go ahead i'm just trying to like i i don't want to be condemnatory at all but it, it kind of feels like you know that you did something wrong whether we're gonna outright call it cheating or not yeah and i think that that's a that's a space where there's room for some nuance here. Um, I think that you do yourself, we all do ourselves a disservice when we ask ourselves a question like, was it cheating to do this? Um, there's an MC Chris album called Eating Ain't Cheating. <laughs> and and you're correct to laugh. It is a funny title. And... It's an ironic, like, there's also a title song off of that, which is essentially, like, exploring this topic. And it's tongue-in-cheek, and it's funny, and it's comical, because it's this idea that, you know, he's saying that, you know, because it, that that the idea of, you know, cunnilingus is not, in fact, cheating, because it's not, quote-unquote, having sex. And, you know, that's... It's fun for a nerdcore rap song that's, you know, being kind of comical. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, you know, I, I, my head immediately goes to that song title because I'm thinking about people who take those arguments. Like, MC Chris isn't taking that argument seriously. No, yeah. Um, he's, he's being tongue-in-cheek. There are people who do take that argument seriously. There, I, I have sat here and had conversations with people where they have said, like, they're either in a serious, committed, monogamous relationship or they're even married in a committed monogamous way and they go, oh yeah, well no, I just made out with my friend. So that's not cheating, right? Or this is this one's stupid. I made out with my friend who's the same sex as me. So that's not cheating, right? Mm. And and the problem is the idea of is it cheating? The, the, okay, I feel like the, uh, the problem is we're using the word cheating as a stand-in for like a very explicit kind of almost biblical adultery Mm -hmm. and when you couch it in such black and white terms you start getting you start giving room to that kind of toxic view that because i am not doing x it's not cheating and if it's not cheating it's all totally fine if you had the kind of relationship with your boyfriend where shit like this was okay, you wouldn't be asking this question. You wouldn't be, as Andy put it, you wouldn't be communicating that, 
you knew you should have stopped it and you were stepping over a boundary. Don't ask yourself if you were cheating. That's not an important question. That's not a useful question. Ask yourself if you did something wrong. And yes, you did something wrong. That was not okay. You know that you did something wrong. And your responsibility is to own up to that, tell your boyfriend, and deal with whatever the consequences may be. The consequences may be you have a conversation about it, and, you know, he tells you that hurt, you stepped over a boundary, you say, I know, I'm sorry, and he says, okay, I forgive you, please don't do this again or make it a pattern. It could be that y'all break up. It could be that he goes, ooh, that's kind of interesting. Um, you don't fucking know, but I think that you know you did something wrong. And you need to own up to that. Was this cheating is not a useful question. You did something wrong. Yes, you need to tell your boyfriend about it. How's that, Andy? That's very nuanced and insightful, and I like that. Um, you know, I'm also going to say, um, kind of leading in from, from my previous point, I think you need to have a conversation with your friend to have a conversation with your boyfriend first. And maybe your boyfriend is present for that conversation with your friend, but he not only started rubbing your feet while you were both a little tipsy, but then like decided to start licking and kissing and sucking on your toes, kissing your toes even even more maybe than uh, looking and sucking on them is a very clear like admission of romantic intent, and I think in in the same way you're gonna have a hard conversation with your boyfriend, you're gonna have a hard conversation with your friend, being like, "What were you thinking? What were your intentions? Were you um, out of your head because of what we were drinking? Um, are you?" have you been harboring these feelings for me? And, and this was you shooting your shot. And depending on how conversation a goes, this might be you needing to step away from your friend. Um, and that isn't great, but the alternative is if, if you prioritize your relationship with your boyfriend over the relationship with your friend, if you don't put some boundaries in place, this could happen again. So that, that's, can that's, I also, yeah, go ahead. Can I also pay some, I need, I feel like we need to at least pay some lip service to something here. Um, as far as we've seen, everyone in this conversation is an adult. I'm assuming your boyfriend is an adult. You don't get, actually give his age, but you're 21 and your friend is 34. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The fact that there's a <sighs> a 13 year like age gap, and and I there's know exactly where you're going here. There's a 13 year age gap, and here's the thing: um, I am not someone who's going to sit here and be like, "Oh, there's a 13 year age gap. Clearly, there's a problem." No, you can have friends who are older than you. You can have friends of the opposite sex who are older than you. You can, you know, you could date people who are older than you. For all we know, your boyfriend is, you know, even older than that. Like, we don't know. And and the thing is, you're an adult. Like, you're 21. Yes, you're young. We won't we won't pretend that's not the case. But I don't want to infantilize you, Inara. I don't. And if I did not sit here and acknowledge that there is a 13-year age gap between you and you are a young woman and you are dealing with a 
you know, not that far away from being middle-aged man. And this is his attitude towards you. That looks a certain way. That looks a certain problematic way. And devoid of additional context, I sit here and go, that seems kind of predatory. Sure. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't know your relationship with Atherton. I don't. I know that he is the kind of dude who, in an inebriated state, gave you a foot rub and sucked on your toes. Um, and presumably he knows about your relationship, and I would hope knows about it enough to know that that would be breaking a boundary. I assume if he's the kind of friend you would just hang out with, maybe he doesn't. You know, maybe he's on the up and up, but if you have any doubt about that, like he's a friend who's a th- who's a dude thirteen years older than you, and that at least in your explanation here sounds very predatory and very creepy and very not okay. And you're right, a- Andy's right. You should absolutely address some of this with him. If he, you know, he's your friend, you, 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 there should be a conversation here and that conversation should include some acknowledgement of how predatory this seems and how creepy this is and how that, that, that we, we do ourselves no, no service. We do, you no service. You do your boyfriend or yourself, no service. You don't do him any service, Atherton, any service by ignoring that dynamic sure so at the very least keep that in mind i I want to acknowledge that this might be perfectly innocent and i might be overly sensitive but you know at the end of the day i have never um i have never been disserved by lacking trust for middle-aged white men and you don't (laughs) say that this dude's white but eh. In absence of knowing, you know, I can even just say middle-aged men. By yeah, not trusting yeah. middle-aged men, I have never done myself a disservice, not once. Because at the very least, it was a harmless bit of distrust. And at the very most, it has saved lives. So keep that in mind, Anara. Yeah, you know, I, I hope things work out for Anara. We'll, we'll post this response. But, you know, when it's a internet question, it's always hard to know if uh, it'll come across or be seen um just in general folks if if there's something that you yourself have to question oh my god do i need to tell my partner about this then i think you've answered your question right there uh if you have a question like that or any relationship question it doesn't have to be something as uh potentially dramatic and dire as what we talked about today you can send those questions into love hate relationship podcast at gmail.com where we promise we'll listen to them That's right. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or even TuneIn Radio. Hey, Mom. Um, You can also uh, rate or review us, or do both of those things, on all of those uh, platforms. You can also follow us on Twitter at LHRPod. That's L-H-R-P-O-D. You can send us your questions there. You can just follow us to keep up with new episodes or random-ass shit that we talk about. Um, you know, every single topic that we, we, that comes up here, whenever we seem to stumble across it on Twitter, we start talking about it on the Twitter account. And 
I don't know, Andy. It's fun for me. Is it fun for you? It's fun for me. <laughs> yeah. Come have fun with us. Absolutely. If you want to have more fun, I have a movie podcast with the incomparable Stephanie Johnson called Cult Fiction. And you can find that in all the same places that Alex said you can find LHR. Or you can find me, Andy Bowell, at JoVocop2113 on Twitter. That's right. You can find me, I'm at A underscore X underscore R-U-I-Z on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok, uh, even though I never post shit, but, <laughs> you know, it's fun. I enjoy it. I, I like a lot of... Uh, uh, I, I, I like a lot of... Andy, I'm so far into jazz TikTok, it's concerning. Oh, there you go. <sighs> yeah. Your TikTok is fun. I enjoy my TikTok very much. <laughs> yeah, you actually post shit. Uh, all of you, follow us wherever you like. Take care of yourselves. Uh, thank you for listening. Always, always, always. And please tell your enemies. Mm-hmm.